You know who uh, talks to me about Bill 39? Nobody. Strong words from the mayor over questions about his strong mayor powers as City Hall ends its 2022 with some early fireworks. Good evening. We'll bring you more on the events inside Toronto Council shortly. But first, the latest in the efforts to curb our province's ongoing health care crisis. For weeks now, the top children's hospital in the country has been working around the clock, finding ways to make room for a holiday respiratory surge. Tonight, an update. CTV's Allison Hurst is at Sick Kids and joins us now with a story that hits home for a lot of families. Allison. Nathan, it sure does. We've been speaking with parents arriving with kids headed in for appointments, all of them expressing concern, especially amid this virus season. Paramedics wait to transfer patients out as more arrive at Sick Kids Hospital. Very busy. A lot of people inside. Transfers to hospitals are happening at a much faster rate due to the surge in patients. Hospital staff tell CTV News there might have typically been one to two moved a week, but now there are two to eight a day. It is quite significantly increased in terms of the movement, which is why we need to look at increasing beds in the community and increasing transportation support to move children safely to a hospital closer to home when ready to do so. Sick kids staff say children are being moved to hospitals closer to home. Peel and York Region Ambulance Services confirm having transferred a combined 17 patients, with the furthest going to Royal Victoria Region Health Centre in Barrie. With all of the issues, not only at Sick Kids, but around Toronto and across Ontario, it's worrisome. Especially, Sherry Ann Hines says, with three other children at home. When she has been sick before, I have depended on Sick Kids, and she's been admitted there. Um, and it hasn't been as much of a, a concern. But now it's very nerve-wracking as a parent. The surge of respiratory patients is being felt at children's hospitals across the province. They have autoimmune, so we're in emerge a lot. Emily Stevenson is grateful she's heading to an appointment today instead. My girlfriend has two boys with um, chronic illness, and they're in the eMERGE for at least 15 hours. Last month, the emergency department saw an increase in patients leading to cancelled surgeries and repurposed staff. To date, nearly 300 surgeries have been cancelled, and the wait list is now topping 6,100. And today we heard an update from hospital staff on the emergency department. They say it now has stabilized to levels they would expect to see during respiratory season. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Back to you. All right, thank you, Allison. As that virus season fast approaches, doctors across the country are warning the situation at hospitals like sick kids and elsewhere could rapidly decline. As provinces deal with the crisis, the federal government is accusing premiers of making matters worse. CTV's Kevin Gallagher has more. Canada's health care system is going through unprecedented strain and the political battle on how to fix the problem is near a breaking point. Children's hospitals especially are dealing with a wave of respiratory viruses. Pediatric surgeries in Winnipeg are being postponed with more nurses diverted to the ICU to deal with those flu and RSV cases. In Quebec, emergency rooms are at 130% capacity, with more than 2,000 patients hospitalized with COVID-19, the highest number in the province since October. And here in Ottawa, around half of the children who need surgery at the Children's Hospital are waiting longer than is clinically safe. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh says the federal government needs to act or he'll rip up the deal keeping the Liberal minority government in power. 
premiers have been demanding a meeting with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to request an increase in health care funding. Today, Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos says the money will be there and that he's on the same page as the provinces on how to reform the health care system. But the Liberals say provincial leaders are preventing these plans from being shared publicly. But we're worried. We're all worried about the, the state of health care in this country, for example. And that's why I'm going to continue uh, to push on provinces to deliver real results for Canadians. We'll be there with investments, but we need to make sure that they're helping Canadians get family doctors, uh, end up uh, off wait lists and into, into treatments. These are the things that we're going to continue to work on. This political posturing by the provinces and Ottawa give little comfort to parents and patients navigating packed emergency rooms. As doctors warn, the situation inside hospitals is only expected to grow worse. Kevin Gallagher, CTV News, Ottawa. Toronto Council is holding its last meeting before the holidays, but there's not been a lot of festive spirit. The mayor and councillors have been debating a number of contentious issues today, including one that has got John Tory hot under the collar. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us now to explain. Beth. Michelle, some tense moments today about those new strong mayor powers. Also some tense moments as councillors debate major changes to address the city's housing crisis. Because we absolutely know. It was all smiles for a school-style photo of the newly elected Toronto City Council during a break from the last meeting of the year. But it seems Mayor John Tory is feeling pressure. I go all around the city to all kinds of events with all kinds of people from every different walk of life, every different community. You know who uh, talks to me about Bill 39? Nobody. They talk to me about housing. They talk to me about community safety. Nobody talks to me about it. Nobody. Nobody. Bill 39 is a provincial law passed by the Ford government, giving the mayor powers to push through housing-related bylaws with only one-third of support from council. If I'm in a coffee shop and they say, that's kind of, you know, what's going on, and we talk about that, they all say, that's wrong. So I don't know, I'm in different places, but I've had lots of emails, mm -hmm. lots of concern, and I think it's on a lot of people's minds. They just don't like it, and they're right not to like it. Tory says he doesn't have a desire to use the minority rule powers. We, we absolutely, positively, without doubt, need to expand housing options across the city. Today, he presented a motion to meet a target of building 285,000 homes over the next 10 years. It includes directing city staff to create an action plan on changes with timelines by March 2023, looking at housing options for the Portlands and waterfront, making rooming houses legal to regulate them, and perhaps the most contentious part, removing exclusionary zoning in all Toronto neighbourhoods. The zoning change would make way for multiplexes on current single-home properties. Etobicoke Centre Councillor Stephen Holliday says the motion is going to change the suburbs fundamentally. Either directly or indirectly, the existing residents are going to pay more to help make housing more affordable for future residents they cherish them because of the neighborhood character, the wide streets, the treed streets. Some of this is going to change with these new rules, and people, I think, are going to be upset. Please just describe what your motion Speaker, is. Speaker, with all due respect, if you could pause my time, I disagree with what you're yeah. saying. I don't believe that's the rule. Inside chambers at the meeting, things got heated, not just about Bill 39, but the future of housing in the city. This, one of several exchanges, a city council works to solve Toronto's housing crisis.
Late this afternoon, the mayor's housing plan passed 23 to 3. Rooming houses were legalized. That passed 18 to 8. Next up, this meeting continues tomorrow. Councillors will be debating delays of the Eglinton LRT. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Beth. From the heat inside City Hall to the icy conditions outside, we're high above the Christmas market at Brampton's Gage Park right now. Families enjoying the calm before what's expected to be a pretty significant storm beginning tomorrow. Lindsay Morrison has the current conditions. Lindsay. Well, Nathan, this is a pretty significant storm that's headed our way. It's really not going to get going until tomorrow. We'll have a quiet overnight tonight, aside from the fact that a few gusty winds are going to start to kick in. But let's talk about the watches, warnings, and special weather statements that are in place, because there's quite a few of them, including a winter weather travel advisory for the City of Toronto, a freezing rain warning for the West GTA, a snowfall warning for the east. And then take a look at this storm. It is a massive low-pressure system, a Colorado low. What we can expect from from it, well, many things. We can expect snow, heavy at times, maybe some mixing in the morning, but things really get going as we make our way into the afternoon and evening. Likely going to have an impact on your commute. Here's your traveler's forecast. Keep this in mind. Maybe avoid non-essential travel if you can and uh, work from home if at all possible. There may be a mountain of snow outside tomorrow, but we are building a toy mountain. here in Leaside. Look at this. They've already got a mountain of toys going on here at Access Storage. I have Jan here. You have some community members with you tonight. I do, I do, Lindsay. How are you? I've got the Leaside Rotary Club here with me this evening, and I also have Charmaine from Charmaine Sweets. Oh, those look so good. Jan, you are making a donation to Toy Mountain tonight. You've been a great partner with us. What are you sharing this evening? Well, this evening we're sharing that we've collected over a thousand plus toys uh, from this location here, and I'd also like to donate uh, $15,000 to building the Toy Mountain. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, Jan. And we want to show you one more donation over here. We have our friend Lucas from Mastermind Toys. What have you brought for us tonight? So we have brought uh, a couple toys with us, uh, four full bags, as well as we're really excited to announce a $3,000 donation to, uh, to Toy Mountain uh, from us and the Mastermind family. Unbelievable. Thank you so much. Uh, we have lots more coming up. We're building a Toy Mountain, and we have snow on the way. Those details just ahead. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. And with that, we're just a few days away from the first day of winter. But as you just heard from Lindsay, we're about to get a major blast of bad weather, and the city is already gearing up. Our Mike Walker joins us now with how officials are planning to attack this storm. Mike. Well, Michelle and Nathan, the city says its crews have already been out preparing and will be deployed as soon as the storm rolls through. And while it's not expected to be anywhere like the significant winter storm we had this past January, the mayor said it will be a good test for new technology and the city's new snow removal contractors. Now, city crews already got a head start salting certain roads that are prone to ice buildup in anticipation of this storm that could dump as much as 10 centimeters of snow. Snow. Now, the new seven-year contracts will see salt trucks deployed as soon as the snow sticks to the ground rather than waiting for snow to accumulate, as has been the case in previous years. That will then be followed by plowing when five centimeters falls on major roads and transit routes and eight centimeters on residential streets. Now, the new $109 million snow removal plan also includes new GPS technology to track equipment as well as enhanced weather predicting technology. Officials say 1,100 pieces of equipment will be on standby and deploy in a moment's notice.
as per the new contracts, we have sufficient equipment that as soon as the snow begins to stick on all the roads and all the sidewalks, we begin deployment immediately. People will see today some of that equipment being repositioned in different places around the city so it is literally ready to go to work on the streets and sidewalks, uh, you know, where the snow is going to, where the snow is and all across the city. Now the city says it could take four to six hours to salt and plow major roads and expressways and up to 14 hours on local roads. School boards have put out a notice tonight saying they will update any bus delays or cancellations by 6 a.m. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Mike. More reaction coming from the entertainment world on the sudden passing of 40-year-old DJ and dancer Stephen Twitch Boss. Andrea Case has that story a little later in the newscast. Ontario's Minister of Labor is weighing in on a series of investigative stories we've covered on complaints about how Toronto's Police Association is handling claims of sexual harassment on the job. The TPA has received three duty affair representation complaints, one by Constable Heather McWilliams saying the agency declined to represent her and represented her abusers instead. She's asking for $30 million in compensation and hoping for a change in the law around how these complaints are handled. The stories are concerning to Labour Minister Monty McNaughton. I think this is uh, obviously unacceptable and I've been working with the Solicitor General and, and the Attorney General's office to ensure that we uh, get to the bottom of this and if there's any action that needs to be taken, uh, we'll make sure that we take action. Toronto's police service acknowledged a toxic workplace culture earlier this year and has vowed to fix it. The Toronto Police Association has denied it's discriminating and says it will follow the complaints through the process. There's little left of a downtown home tonight following an early morning fire. Thankfully, the building was empty. But flames have reduced it to a shell, leaving surrounding families worried about the days ahead. CTV's Austin Delaney reports. This viewer video showing the house fully engulfed as flames licked the night sky. It all happened so fast, say witnesses. 5.35 or so and just saw the house uh, starting to catch on fire. And within about 15 minutes, it was completely engulfed in flames. 5.35 this morning, neighbors were woken up. Thick smoke was filling the air. Their lives were in danger. Rescue crews worried this two-alarm fire would spread. The doorbell, they started ringing and banging on the door and there were police outside. They told us we had to leave. Unbelievable. Firefighters battled the blaze in frigid temperatures, minus six, feeling like minus nine, even colder with the water spouting from the fire hoses. Because of the heat and flames, uh, it was uh, very difficult for our crews to conduct the search, so we had to uh, back off and do a defensive attack on this, on this fire. Crews soon learned that if anyone was inside when the fire started, they got out safely. Neighbors say 28 Grange Avenue had been empty for as many as three decades, occasionally used by squatters. It was always a blight on the neighborhood, and we couldn't understand why the city didn't go after the owner. But uh, there were kids, you know, uh, there were druggies and kids toking up. The, it was always the only place on the street that had not been... Uh, looked after or fixed up. We don't know why. So I'm not surprised that it finally is burning down. Today, police were going door to door looking for home security video that might give investigators a clue as to how this empty house caught fire. The roof 
and the second floor have completely collapsed. There is little chance the building can be saved. As for the people who live in the other half of the semi-detached, it's not clear if they have a home to come back to. Austin Delaney, CTV News. A jury will decide Jacob Hogard's fate when he goes on trial for sexual assault. The Headley frontman has opted to have his case heard in Ontario's Superior Court, and it will be a jury trial. Hogard is accused in an alleged incident from 2016 in Kirkland Lake. He's scheduled to appear in court January 19th. In October, Hogard was granted bail in a separate case. He appealed his five-year sentence for sexually assaulting an Ottawa woman in a Toronto hotel room six years ago. It's a medication that can quickly save the life of someone who has overdosed on opioids, naloxone. And now the province is providing naloxone kits to businesses considered to be high risk. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris has the details. In the grips of an opioid crisis, Ontario is trying to put life-saving help in closer reach. Starting today... Small businesses in Ontario where staff are at risk of witnessing or experiencing an op opioid overdose can access free naloxone kits and training for staff. Naloxone blocks the effects of opioids, reversing overdoses. The kits are available to businesses where needles have been found and where a staff member has shared they struggle with opioid addiction. More than 2,800 Ontarians died from opioid-related causes last year, the highest on record. Some sectors are more vulnerable than others. We've seen a 30% of opioid work-related deaths in construction. We know that bars and nightclubs are at a higher risk. By June 1st next year... These businesses will be required to have life-saving naloxone kits and trained workers in the workplace. The Labour Minister acknowledges not many people overdose at work, but is determined to try to save lives. There are questions, though, about whether the government's approach is the right one. The Naloxone in the Workplace program sounds like a great initiative. And while it's not a bad thing, the reality is it will have little impact on opioid overdose deaths and hospitalizations. Making a case for better access to housing and other supports. Prescribed safe supply and legal regulation, which actually would fix the toxic drug supply in the first place. But these are things that this government is not actually addressing right now. You place this portion into the nostril. The Ontario the Safety League is praising and... distribution of naloxone kits, saying it will normalize this kind of first aid. The lack of stigma created by having that there. It's just like having a Band-Aid. The government wants kits in every business by the end of the decade. It is critical that we get it everywhere we can in Ontario. Paralympian Paul Rosen's road to addiction began as a teenager. Now he carries naloxone with him everywhere. It saved his life. As somebody who has overdosed twice in the last five years, one life saved is phenomenal. Siobhan Morris, CTV News. Sunday's World Cup final is set. And it will be the defending champions looking to make history. Oh, those dancing feet, oh, it must be! France beat Morocco 2-0 in today's semifinal, ending the underdog dream for the upstart Moroccans. The French will play Argentina for the title on Sunday and a chance to repeat their 2018 efforts. Our Andrew Brennan was with fans today, taking in today's match and has this story. History for Morocco, Africa, and the Arab world in a moment, in some cases, that generations have been waiting for. I think it's history. I think this is something that we've all been waiting our whole lives for. 
this is something I wish my grandpa was here for because we are so proud as a nation. Yeah, it really means a lot to Africa and also Arab countries, you know. But the match did not just divide the pitch, also tables of friends. How do you stop the game from coming between you? It will. It definitely will, but it's fine. The opening excitement from the Moroccan fans quickly dissipated after a swift goal from the French side in the opening minutes. The tension, anxiety rising with each second passing by. Ultimately, Les Bleus walked away with the win and eyeing back-to-back -back World Cups, which hasn't been done since 1962, six years after Morocco stopped being a French colony. For us, it's like we have to be humble and just play each game like it's the last and give it everything during the game. And for a Moroccan team often compared to Rocky Balboa, the fictional underdog fighter, there is still pride, regardless of the score. Whatever happened, I stay Moroccan, Maghribi national. So the luck wasn't on our side, but uh, I'm really proud of our team and uh, maybe next cup. Even Rocky lost the first time around. Andrew Brennan, CTV News. And coming up, how a social media star originally from Oshawa ended up right in the action at the World Cup. We catch up with Danson Wayne on his big adventure in Qatar. We are here tonight in Leeside and we are building a toy. Mountain! We have the Leeside baseball and hockey teams here. Troy, why is it so important to see kids helping kids? Well, it's everybody has to donate. Everybody has to donate their time and uh, their toys and come on out to Toy Mountain and make sure you donate every week. Absolutely. Great job, you guys. So great to see you here. I want to talk to Therese over here. You're joining us from? From the Blue Rooster All Day Breakfast and Lunch in Ajax. And you brought us tonight? And we brought a nice gift for you today. Here it is. Yeah. We're happy to donate. It's the time for giving. So thank you. On behalf of our staff and all our customer base, we're bringing a lot of toys next week. We appreciate it. And I'm just going to get my friend Jennifer in here. You're joining us from Keller Williams Empowered Realty. We're here today to present um, all of these amazing items donated to us uh, from our community, community members in Richmond Hill and Aurora and our business partners, uh, Body, Body Vision Fitness and Sayil Electronics. Let's hear it for them, everyone. Absolutely amazing donations tonight. We have a full look at your weather forecast coming up here on CTV News. We'll be right back. If you ever sign a contract in your home to buy something and you change your mind, you have 10 days to cancel the agreement for any reason. But if you're shopping for a new or used vehicle, there's no cooling off period once an agreement is signed. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. It's a common complaint we get here at CTV News. People shopping for vehicles who don't know there is no cooling off period. A Brampton family just put a $2,000 deposit on an SUV, changed their mind, and now they can't get their money back. We are looking to um, work on our options about moving into Alberta. Charnelli Weze of Brampton was looking for a vehicle and found a 2009 Dodge Journey with a selling price of $6,800. She decided to buy it, signed a contract, and put down a $2,000 deposit. But then her circumstances changed. We put down a deposit for the car, um, but we let them know that um, we would like the deposit back, and they just said they're, they're keeping the entire amount. 
Iweze says she was unaware she couldn't cancel the contract. My husband was under the impression that there was a cooling off period, um, and it, it was through this experience that we found out there wasn't. Many people believe there is a cooling off period when buying a car because there is a cooling off period if you sign a contract in your home. But that's not the case when you're purchasing a vehicle. Under Ontario law, there is a cooling off period when you sign contracts in your home, pay in advance to join a fitness club, purchase a timeshare or get a payday loan. However, there is no cooling off period for motor vehicle contracts. We do not have a cooling off period in this province. OMVIC, which oversees car dealers in Ontario, says once you sign a contract to buy a vehicle, it is legally binding. And the dealership may decide to keep your deposit if you don't follow through with the purchase. And that's why when you go in and you're about to sign that bill of sale, that contract to purchase or lease, it says all sales final. And it is all sales final in Ontario. There absolutely should be. Iweze feels there should be a cooling off period for vehicle sales and is still hopeful she'll get all or some of her deposit returned. And a dealership may decide to return a deposit to show goodwill as maybe you'll be their customer in the future. Be extremely careful signing any contract for a vehicle unless you're absolutely sure you want it. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. We are monitoring a storm heading our way for tomorrow. But before we get to all the messy weather details and the mucky stuff, can we talk about the amazing Toy Mountain Hall in Leaside tonight? Yeah, it's just great to see people coming together, especially the hockey and baseball teams at Leaside. My son used to play for Leaside. I think your daughter plays for Leaside too, she right? She does. I bet she wishes she could be there, Lindsay. Oh, I love that. And you know what? It's so great to have the athletes here. That's my favorite part of this campaign, seeing kids help other kids. And we're going to be sharing a few more special donations with you coming up. Uh, it's quite the celebration happening here. But we also have lots to talk about when it comes to the weather. So I think we're going to begin there because uh, things could become pretty significant into the day tomorrow. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. We mentioned some of the weather watches and warnings that are in place. Just going to reiterate the fact that we are under a winter weather travel advisory here in the city of Toronto. It's a freezing rain warning for areas like Hamilton, Oakville, Burlington and Milton. It is a snowfall warning from Pickering to Peterborough. That's where the heaviest snow could fall. But again, it's going to be a bit of a messy mix. How much snow? This should give you a little bit of a general idea, but it might even be downplaying it a little bit, this particular model run. It's possible that 5 to 15 centimeters of snow could fall in Toronto proper aside from the areas that get a little bit of mixing near the shoreline of Lake Ontario. So you can see the ice pellets are freezing rain in pink. Snow becomes pretty steady in Toronto around the noon hour. It's going to continue into the afternoon, into the evening hours as well. And look at that. The snow just continues into Friday morning. It's going to be generally unsettled until the system finds finally pulls away late day Friday and then we're still in for a few lingering flurries or showers as we head into the weekend. Tomorrow's high is interesting. It's one degree that's technically cool enough for snow but also mild enough for rain. Your seven day forecast is looking like this. 
Yeah, so a snowstorm for tomorrow. We are still looking at flurries or showers, as mentioned on Friday. The weekend is calmer. Hopefully, we'll return to a little more sun as we make our way into the early part of next week. All right, we are building a toy mountain tonight here in Leaside. A couple more friends that I want to introduce you to. Where's Neil? Neil. Right here. Okay, what have you brought us tonight? Where are you joining us from? We are joining from the United West in uh, United Trinbago West Indian Association, otherwise known as Uni TNT. Uh, on behalf of us, we'd like to donate a check for $3,000 to the Toy Mountain Salvation Army for all of their good work and what they do. And I definitely want to send a shout out to all of our supporters that have been supporting us through all the years. We're always helping out people, so keep helping us. That is Thank you so very much. So wonderful. Thank you so much. Let's hear it for them, everyone. That's great. More friends over here. Let's go over and see them. Where are you joining us from tonight? We're from Hompin Realty and Intrem Mortgage. Wonderful. And uh, you are helping us build a mountain of toys. Tell us how. Yes. Um, so we've had our staff and our agents all um, contribute to this good cause. This is actually our fourth year contributing to the Toy Mountain campaign. Thank you for this. I mean, look at this pile of toys that's growing. This is just one of the storage bins here awesome. at Access Storage. Glenn, what do you think of this? This is tremendous. It's so great to see so many people in the community coming out and supporting the work that we're doing together. It's community helping community, neighbors helping neighbors, and it's going to go to kids this week, actually. All these toys are going to be distributed this week, so wonderful. Our campaign officially wraps up this Friday, but we have a lot, a lot more people to talk about, so many individuals that we want to celebrate. And, of course, we'll talk a little bit more about that weather forecast coming up. For now, though, Nathan and Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Lindsay. And as we prepare for that wintry wallop here, our friends at Atlantic Canada are already digging out. A major snowfall blanketed parts of the region overnight. It caused a number of closures, cancellations, and power outages. Nearly 20 centimeters of snow fell in the greater Moncton area. And Charlottetown got between 10 to 20 centimeters. A mix of snow and rains expected on the weekend. Also tonight, shocking news from the entertainment world. Twitch, who delighted audiences with his dance moves on The Ellen Show, has died. The tragic circumstances, leaving his wife and three kids without the backbone of their family. He was a professional dancer known by just one name, Twitch. Stephen Boss rose, rose to fame as a DJ and executive producer on The Ellen DeGeneres Show. We learned today that he took his own life. CTV's Andrea Case joins us now. And Andrea, this comes as a shock to many people. It certainly has. And a shock because, you know, you see someone on television, you think you know your life, but you certainly do not know their life. Uh, when anyone takes their life, it is a tragedy. But for a man who outwardly appeared to have it all, there's so many questions. My name is Stephen Boss, a.k.a. Twitch. I'm 25 years old. Stephen Twitch Boss burst onto the scene as a contestant on So You Think You Can Dance in 2008 after a failed attempt the year before. Oh, my God! I'm one of these! He did not win the competition. He was the runner-up. But he was first in the hearts of many dance fans. In 2014, he achieved worldwide fame first as a DJ and dancer on The Ellen DeGeneres Show. He became an executive producer in 2020. The talk show ended its run earlier this year. This morning, Los Angeles police announced the 40-year-old was found dead in a hotel room on Tuesday morning, an apparent suicide killing himself with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. 
I was rocked by this, I'm not going to lie. Ayanna Seeley is a former dancer turned mental performance coach, a speaker and writer who got to know Twitch when he came to Pickering for a dance seminar, and she saw him again on The Ellen DeGeneres Show. He was so down to earth and he was so humble and sweet and kind. That's what I remember. No airs about him. And we sat and we chatted and it was as if, you know, this was a friend of mine. I'm Twitch. And I'm Mrs. Twitch. Boss married Alison Holker, a fellow contestant on the All-Star season of So You Think You Can Dance. They got married in 2013. The couple have three children. Earlier this month, they celebrated their ninth wedding anniversary, and this dance was posted just two days ago. Ellen DeGeneres posted on social media, I'm heartbroken. Twitch was pure love and light. He was my family, and I loved him with all my heart. I will miss him. Please send your love and support to Allison and his beautiful children, Wesley, Maddox, and Zahaya. Boss appeared in films including Magic Mike Double XL. He was also a TV producer and host. Seely says a positive outward appearance and a struggle on the inside is more prevalent than we know. Look for little signs. Look for them in the in-between moments. Are they looking a little down or a little forlorn or a little withdrawn? Ask questions. Well, she adds uh, you should have a support system in place if you can before it gets to the breaking point. She says it's okay to have moments as long as you can make your way back. Reporting for CTV News, I'm Maria Case. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. There is no consensus on how to diagnose and treat long COVID. And now a task force is urging Ottawa to try and do something about that. Evidence shows that almost 15% of adults who were infected with COVID-19 experience longer-term COVID-19 symptoms. The federal government has budgeted $20 million to research the long-term impacts of COVID-19. Today, a task force established last summer released a list of 18 recommendations. They include strategies to identify and track patients and guidelines for doctors to treat it. This is the time of year when many families long to travel for the holidays. But for those with special medical needs, that may not be possible without some very complex arrangements. Our health reporter Pauline Chan explains. Stonehenge. When Mike Sells was first diagnosed with ALS, he and his wife made plans to see the world while they could. I have always enjoyed history, and those stories have given me a lifelong passion for travel. And to be able to travel, even with my deteriorating condition, meant the world to me. But arrangements weren't easy. And we traveled about 20, no, sorry, 30 countries in, um, in 2019 alone. A lot of what the cells learned was through trial and research. Airline travel is one of the most challenging. Traveling with a mobility device requires a lot of attention. But there are companies that specialize in supporting travelers with special needs or those who Andrew Garnett calls slow walkers, Enjoyable those who need a little help with moving quickly or for extended periods. His U.S. company, Special Needs Group, brings mobility devices like wheelchairs and scooters to the travelers and helps with special arrangements like at the Vatican. So we've dealt with children that are infants that needed oxygen and provided oxygen equipment for them. Uh, we've worked with the MS Foundation. Uh, we also work with autism on the seas. But while Special Needs Group has many clients in Canada and around the world, families and advocacy groups here say accessibility is still a big issue. And accessibility doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. 
For many, it means uh, space to accommodate some. special equipment, but for a person with autism, it may mean low lights and softer volumes. Um, a hotel will often say their room is accessible, and you know what? One inch is not accessible if someone's using a wheelchair. The bottom line is planning. Ask for photos of the accommodations and ask as many questions as you can think of. I say just go. Don't wait. And don't let your abilities stop you. Pauline Chan, CTV News. After the break, the latest batch of Order of Canada recipients, an ice dancing duo and local philanthropist among those bestowed with one of our country's highest honours. Winter Storm Impact, tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. With a messy mix ahead, get the latest on road conditions and school closures. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. We're uh, dealing with unprecedented times um, in our healthcare system, especially as it pertains to uh, children and children's hospitals. Updating our top story, Stickins Hospital reporting an increase in pediatric patient transfers as Ontario deals with another wave of respiratory illnesses. You know who uh, talks to me about Bill 39? Nobody. They talk to me about housing, they talk to me about community safety, nobody talks to me about it. Nobody. Nobody. John Tory defended his new strong mayor powers as council debates a housing plan aimed at building 285,000 homes over the next decade. The new powers means Tory could push the plan through with the support of only a third of council. Depending on the weather this evening, we will begin our liquid brine application. Crews are preparing for a winter storm, which could drop as much as 10 centimeters of snow on the city in the coming days. Environment Canada has issued a special weather statement with both freezing rain and snow expected through the day tomorrow. On the markets, the loony was down a fraction to 73.79 U.S. Oil closes at 77.28 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX lost 131 points to end the day at 19,891. It's one of Canada's biggest honours. Today, dozens of Canadians were on hand to receive the Order of Canada. Among the recipients, a pair of ice dancers who have skated into our hearts, along with a GTA philanthropist. CTV's Raheem Ladani has the story. A sense of anticipation could be felt inside Rideau Hall, which soon turned into excitement. As 49 individuals entered the ballroom for an elite recognition. And let me also congratulate you in my mother tongue, which is Inuktitut. Nakomik ilunasi pisitiwatsi, tamanapinasuaksimayasi, kanatamiulimanut ilitaksiyoyo. Governor General Mary Simon addressed the exclusive group, ready to invest them into the Order of Canada. You have shown what we can accomplish when we make every effort and match passion with innovation, generosity, creativity and dedication. Among the newest recipients, retired ice dancing sweethearts Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer. The pair had been on-ice partners for more than 20 years, skating their way to winning the most awards in the sport's history, including three gold medals. Undoubtedly a force to be reckoned with as partners. They also support their communities as individuals. Excellency, Mr. Moyer and Ms. Virtue. Since their retirement, Virtue and Moyer have dedicated their time to a number of charities, promoting inclusivity and the Special Olympics. 
14 officers and 35 members were invested into one of the country's highest honors. Among them, academics, entrepreneurs and philanthropists, including Mississauga's Muhammad Faki. His guidance and generous philanthropic support during times of tragedy and crisis inspires Canadians to help those in need, both at home and abroad. Faki was recognized for instilling philanthropy into his restaurant, Paramount Fine Foods, while raising money and awareness for a number of initiatives. Since its creation in Canada's centennial year, more than 7,600 people have been invested into the order. Raheem Ladani, CTV News. Just ahead, how a man from Oshawa ended up the official in-game host at the World Cup. We catch up with Dance and Wayne as he applies his boundless energy and enthusiasm to one of the globe's greatest sporting events. Well, it has been a busy shopping day for a few lucky GTA children, thanks to Durham Police. What I'm hoping for is that these children will end up thinking to themselves, hey, these police officers are just like, you know, let's say mommy and daddy or other people out there. They're not Superman. They're not Superwoman. They're just regular people with regular lives that just happen to be doing a job serving the community. This is like my dream. And it's so amazing to be here. And I'm going to get so much stuff. I'm going to get some stuff for games um, and go around and just getting lots of stuff and get some stuff for my family and my mom and my friends. Wonderful. The annual cop shop partners kids in the community with a police officer to shop with a $200 gift card donated by Pickering Town Center. 50 kids took part in a shopping spree, buying gifts for their families and getting to know their personal shopper. The children chosen for cop shop are selected based on need, academic or sports achievement or volunteer efforts in their community. Well, as we get set for the World Cup final match this weekend, a window into the world of a man who's had a front row seat. He goes by the name of Danson Wayne, a social media star turned official in-stadium host, and he just happens to hail from the GTA. At the World Cup, the action may be on the field. But for those in the stadium, there's another show starring a Canadian talent. My job is to inject as much fun as possible and to leave them with a lasting experience. Whether they win or lose, my job is to make sure they can go home going, wow, that was a great show. He goes by Danson Wayne, and the former GTA resident has been working World Cup games as the in-stadium host. From dancing to fan interviews, essentially anything to entertain, it's been a busy few weeks for the Oshawa native, who ended up in Qatar after making a big life change. Long story short, I quit my job. I felt like I wasn't, I shouldn't be sitting at a desk for eight hours a day. I went full-time on an app called TikTok. Ended up becoming pretty popular on that app. A couple companies slid into my DMs. One of them was FIFA. After hosting a couple of events, Wayne was chosen to be one of the hosts for the World Cup. He's been working basically non-stop since the tournament began. I think the craziest moment, to be honest with you, was Moroccan fans holding pictures of me in the stands because they believe I'm the good luck charm for them. Because every game I've done, they've won. The Fresh Prince of Morocco, as the country's fans called him, wasn't working today's game when the team lost, but he will be working the World Cup final. It's an incredible story, considering what he endured just last year. A drunk driver ran me off the road and almost, you know, left me with very uh, 
long-lasting injuries where I couldn't even walk properly. But I went from that to, you know, to where I'm at now because of I didn't want to live the same life I kept living. We are about to do a break dance circle at the World Cup. Now, Wayne is having the time of his life in Qatar, and he's hoping his story will encourage others to stop sitting on the sidelines of life and get in the game. Honestly, my best message to people right now is find your version of happiness. Find your version of happiness and run towards it. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. All right, gotta love dancing, Wayne. Lindsay, we know that storm is coming. What can we expect? Well, we can expect some snow, heavy at times, and it's going to impact your Thursday evening commute for sure and maybe into the day on Friday. Here's one more look at the seven-day forecast. Once we get past tomorrow, things will be a little bit calmer, but still unsettled into Friday, so just be aware of that. We are here live in Leaside at Access Storage. We're building a toy. It's been so much fun. Look at all the toys that we've got here tonight. Hold those toys up. They look absolutely amazing. And Jan, people can keep dropping their toys off here. Absolutely, Lindsay. We'll be taking toys up until Wednesday the 21st, and we'll make sure that they get to the Salvation Army. So visit any one of our access storage locations in Ontario, and we'll be sure to get them there. Oh, that's great news. Uh, we have a special message from someone tonight. Take a listen to this. They've done a fantastic job in ensuring children are experiencing the holidays to the fullest. The past couple of years have been challenging for so many. So this is a fantastic opportunity to show your Ontario spirit and help each other out. We've been collecting toys to send to the Salvation Army, and I encourage you all to donate to this campaign to ensure every child has the happy Christmas morning they deserve. We're so grateful for all your generosity and what it will mean to families and children all across Ontario. From my family to yours, I wish you all a very Merry Christmas and all the best in the new year. And a very special thank you to Premier Doug Ford for that message. We've had a great night here in Leaside. Once again, we're building a toy. Magic! And we're going to finish things off here with the McGregor Carolers. Why don't you take it away? They're having too much fun there in Leaside at Access Storage. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That's it for us. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a fabulous night. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas from Access.